rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. How I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at the cross where I first saw the light and there is a dynamic engagement we get to experience this Sunday in order to abide in the one who paid the penalty of our sin can I give you one sin that keeps us from clinging to the cross I know y'all don't struggle with this but other churches I go to other experiences I've encountered have this one paralysis. There are many myriad sins, a plethora. But I want to identify one this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, fear. I know that's not your problem, but I wanted you to help me preach. And some folk have trepidation. Some folk are nervous right now. There are some people in the room who have more month left than money. And you are as broke as the Ten Commandments. That means you have not a single solitary dime to your name. Fear. But there's a word from the Lord and it's prescribed for you. This is a divine appointment. You're not here by accident. And God has come to eradicate the fear factor. God has come to deal with what keeps you from clinging to the cross. God has come to announce that you can overcome what goes bump in your night in order to abide in the presence of the Most High and to experience a sweet release from your burden and the heavy load you carry on your shoulder. Anybody struggle? Can you help me right quick? I know it's not real uh, Anglo of us to do what I'm about to ask you to do. But to help me preach, just turn to a neighbor on either side and say, you got issues. <laughs> help me now. Don't, don't, yeah. They fell asleep. Let them know you got some stuff going on in your life. A little junk in your trunk. You got some things happening. Now, I didn't say tell them all the issues because some of y'all went down the line. You had a list. You retching your pocket. And <laughs> but you got issues because the scripture is very clear. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us. No one in this room is innocent. And I learned this the hard way. When I was born, the nurse announced to me, you got issues. She did. She slapped me on the backside. 
I was minding my own business, came out the womb, and up, and I was upset. Why did you slap me? I've done nothing wrong. You know what the nurse said? You will. Because man born of woman is born of a few days, and all of them are full of trouble. Sin, depravity, plagues us. And one that I want to deal with today is fear. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. One verse, because I don't want to be before you long, has arrested me and caused me to wake up and smell the coffee. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. If you didn't have it in your midst, it's because you memorized it already. And I want to announce it to you. Can I tell you a secret? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Instead, he's given us three other powerful ingredients, three other potent things we must have in our DNA, three other aspects and virtues that I want you to embrace and let abide and be hidden in your heart so you'll no longer allow your issues to override what is truth. Here are the three things instead of fear that you must possess. Power, love, and a sound mind. Did you catch that? We're going to break it apart because that's pregnant with thought. Instead of being fretful and biting your nail to the nub and being worried about the things that are around you and those things you cannot control. I know there's some backseat drivers in this room that won't even let Jesus take the wheel. Fear not. That's the message for today. Because you don't have to. You're not supposed to. God didn't author that you would. And I know you're saying, but I got some real, do you see? If your issue is sitting next to you, just blink at me. Don't look at them. Blink at me. (laughs) You got some real struggles. I see. And it would be cause to fear, but God says, wait a minute. I've got something better to replace what you're going through. And the scripture is clear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. And in his last message and his testament to Timothy, his protege, his disciple, his homeboy, his sidekick, Paul says to him, fear not. I got something else for you. And I urge you to take heed to this message. It's an order. It is a command not to fear. And when you get this inside of you, you must live it out. Why so, preacher? Here's why. Because cowardice and Christianity go together like spandex and obesity (laughs) at Walmart. You've seen them in the outfits, haven't you? They don't go together. And God has announced in our hearing afresh this morning that you are not to walk in cowardice, in timidity, in fear. It's all in water for the Christian life. And he wants you to have something robust, something that is substitutionary, something that is more miles that you can put on your resume that glorifies God most. Only what we do for Christ lasts. And when you have these things which he's tutoring us to receive, you will have power made perfect where you're weak even with issues here let's go to work when you have power love and self discipline you have self control you have a conscious judgment God says here's what accompanies you shout power it's a life that is assured of the Holy Spirit and not a life that operates by me myself and I 
You've got the Holy Spirit who accompanies and enables you to overcome your darkest fears. And I know they're real. I know they're relevant. I know that you can't deny and sweep them under the rug. You come from a family full of negativity, full of hatred, full of drama. And God says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you what will cause you to rest, not for your physical body alone, but to have rest for your soul. Shout power. When you fear not, you operate in power to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, marching to the beat of his drum on the straight and narrow pathway of righteousness, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Not that you've already attained it. I understand many of us have not yet arrived and neither have I, but we claw and we press and we push forward to grab hold of what God wants to arrest us with. And that's a fearless life that trusts totally and completely in him. Fear not. You've got power. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, so I need help with Scripture. And God helps me out. To know how not to fear, you must become a people who familiar, familiarize yourself with the Word of God, taught the youth that man doesn't live by that which is pizza and donuts alone. We don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I got to show y'all right quick my favorite scripture. I didn't tell them this because this is, you know, this is personal. This is just for y'all. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for my favorite scripture? Let me get to it. Hold on now. Just hold your horses. I found it. This one. (laughs) I need it all from Genesis to maps. I got maps at the back of my Bible. I, I need all of what God has to say. And one pericope, one section, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God hadn't given us this spirit of fear. We've got power. And I got on board a plane with 10 other missionaries to go to South Africa to help me to learn this principle. And on the plane, I'm sitting in the back. Now, I've been through Black History Month. I know you don't have to ride in the back of a vehicular mobile. They said it was a seat assignment. But I'm in the back of the plane. And then I discovered that all the other missionaries, I'm the pepper and the salt, it was white missionaries, they got off. And I came to and I made it to the exit and two South African guards in the heat of apartheid lowered their weaponry and said, oh, and I halted. But I'm upset. I'm from the hood of San Antonio, Texas originally. (laughs) You don't just tell a brother to halt and there'd be no explanation. And I was just concerned why I got a halt. How you going to tell me to halt? I didn't say it out loud, though. (laughs) They had weaponry. And I've seen South African jails. And the other missionaries were down the corridor, and they began to count uno, dos, tres. I threw some Spanish in there for y'all. Where's the pepper? And they turned around, and they saw me behind the guard, like, hey. And they said, what are you doing? He's with us. And the two guards raised the weapons. They recognized I was not a black South African. I was a black American. And they let me walk through. And I walked through with swag, too. I'm with them. Here's the application for power. What will you say if today is it? And you stand before the pearly gates of glory. Will you say, hey, I went to Friendswood Community Church for a Sunday. I went and I gave a dollar in the offering plate. We good? I, I, I go to church, therefore I'm saved. No, no, you're not. 
if you really have a relationship where you are fearing not and you're abiding in the power that is God and God alone in your life, you don't even have to say a word because seated at the right hand side of the Father is the King of glory. Who is the King of glory? The Lord God strong and mighty. Who is the King of glory? The Lord God mighty in battle, ever making intercession on your behalf and mine. And he, Jesus, will stand and say to the guards angelic host at the gate, hey, what are you doing? He or she's with us. And you can walk through the gates with swag because Jesus, the Christ, him crucified and resurrected, has announced the testimony of your right relationship with the Redeemer. Fear, you got power. Can I give you some more? Not only are we a powerful people, more than conquerors through Christ, who gives us strength? The scripture also says you don't have to fear because you've got love. Now look at your neighbor deep in the eyes and just say, I love you. Come on, give them some love. Yeah, some of y'all, ooh, that look you gave, I don't know. Maybe it's tough love. But it ought to be love. And the world doesn't know you came to Friendswood except when we exit, they see love one for another. That's how they know we're disciples of the Most High. And the scripture says you ought to have love. And if power is a life of assurance in the Holy Spirit, love is a life of assurance that is agape, the highest level. Not eros, where you get goose pimples on goose pimples emotionally. Not phileo, where it's brotherly love, chest pump, high five. This is agape that looks beyond faults and unconditionally loves you when you are unlovable. You should have love. And I am excited about this truth because I've learned that that this love is just another way of saying grow up. Mature. If you are 55 and you act five, something went wrong in your pilgrimage. And the God I serve is saying grow up. You must be selfless. You must be like I am. And and the only way I can really break it down is to consider a mother's love. Y'all know a mother's love? She loves you when you shouldn't be. You know, she embraces you because you hers. Well, that was a mother who had a baby in a baby carriage. She got on a city bus, paid her fare, the bus doors closed, swaddled underneath the covering, the bus driver looked at the mom and said, is that your baby? She said, yes. Just proud of her little precious jewel. He said, can I see that baby? And she unswaddled, unwrapped. And the bus driver looked in the carriage and looked at the woman and looked again in the baby carriage and looked at the woman. And he said these words, that is the ugliest baby I have ever seen in my entire life. Some of y'all right now are taking your earrings off and taking, yeah, that's fighting words. And she was enraged, grit her teeth and re-swaddled the baby. The cover started coming off. She walked down the aisle, mad at the world. And one patron saw this dilemma and said, woman, what is wrong with you? I see you're perturbed. Something must have happened that that bus driver has done something that has caused you to be irked. And she said, oh, she couldn't even get it out. Anybody ever get that mad? You can't even say a word. And he said, you go back to that bus driver. I have a cell phone. Get his badge number and name. We're calling dispatch. We're going to report whatever he did to offend a patron on this bus craft. And I'll hold that little monkey till you get back from him. That's an ugly baby. 
but not to the mother. That was the most precious cargo that you could ever put in a baby carriage. A mother's love is phenomenal. Even when you're U-G-L-Y, you don't have no alibi, you ugly. <laughs> but I know a greater love. No greater love can a man have than this. Then one who sat high and looked low and gave himself for us calls a wretch like me friend. Jesus came in the form of a servant in the likeness of men and he humbled himself to death on an old rugged cross and he gave his life a ransom for sin and he knew in your depravity that you'd spit at him and you would knock out the cup and you would refuse and rebel and then God said instead of rebuking I come to announce love and love covers a multitude of sins and fears and cast out the fear that so easily besets you you got love instead same mama 100 pounds will lift a two ton vehicle to rescue a child that's trapped underneath wreckage but God sent his very best and bankrupt heaven for you and me love I was sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the water lifted me. Now safe am I. What did it, Mike Satterfield? It wasn't you. You screened my call. But it was love that lifted me when nothing else would help. Somebody shout love. Now stop slowing me down because I got one more thing I got to tell you. <laughs> when you fear not, you substitute it with power. When you fear not, you come to the word and say, give whatever you want me to have to me. And God supplies you with love. But this last ingredient straight out of his holy writ is sound mind, sound judgment. Translation, self-control. Anybody have it? Show of other hands. Anybody not? If I were to give you a gallon of bluebell, who could just take a spoon and eat one? <laughs> Anybody ever sit with the whole gallon and then it's gone? Not y'all, other people? Okay. Anybody go to that same Walmart where spandex and obesity have collided and you come home without stuff? Or do you always come home? Look, husbands are looking at their wives like, yeah, you don't ever come home empty-handed. Self-control. Now I want to talk about y'all because y'all will never invite me back, so let me talk about me. There are places I go where you have to dress up to preach. I've been to a few First Baptist churches, and they hear you better in a tie. You know what I'm Yeah. So, I, you know, where I preach in Arlington, we don't have to gussy up with a 19-piece suit. But some places really receive better. And so I went to a suit mart to get me one of them suits. And I remember what size I wore when we wore them regularly in my times past. So, can we do altar call today? <laughs> Folk laughing over here. I hadn't even said anything. Telling my testimony. I go in the suit mart. Lady greets me at the door and says, sir, can I help you? I said, yes, you can. I need a 44 regular. She said, really? Walk this way. I said, absolutely. We walked that way and passed the 44s. We passed the 46s. I'm concerned. I raised my hand. She said, I see that hand. I said, ma'am, you passed my size several sizes ago. She said, sir, just for fun. 
just keep walking this way. I'm like, I'm not having fun. And I need to speak to management. She said, I am the manager. 50 regulars. I said, uh, this is going to be a problem. Because you got a size that is too much for me. And you're going to have to have the best tailor in all of the continental U.S. of A. to get clothing that is tailored for Chocolate Thunder. I mean, you're going to have to do some stuff to get this material down to my physique. And she said, sir, just try this jacket on for fun. I put on that 50 regular, fit like a glove. (laughs) What are you saying in the manner of self-control? I serve you notice that some of you are living in the deception of 44 regular. When you're way beyond where God has designed and ordained you to be. But when you fear not, you align yourself, not your will to bend his will, but his will be done. Nevertheless, not as I want it. Fix me, Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. I'm out of control. And I need to be arrested by your power. I need to be set in a direction that is righteousness. I need to be off the wide road of destruction and on the straight or narrow path that leads to life and life more abundant. Anybody come not to hear from a Denzel lookalike, but to really hear from God? <laughs> yeah. You, you don't want another message. You don't want church light. You want a revelatory word that pierces your soul and transforms your living so you exit to serve this present humanity with self-control. Here's the challenge. When you have that, You are mindful that your eye gate must be protected. Your ear gate must be protected. Your mind gate must be protected. And your heart gate must be protected. Let's unpack what I just shared with you. Eye gate. Men, let me hear you. Now, I'm taking a cruise, and I'm doing a marriage conference on cruise in a couple of weeks. And I know that on board the ship, there will be people who packed dental floss and uh, thimbles. Now, for some reason, my wife has charged me never to look and lust at another personality. Oh, y'all got quiet, fellas. I thought y'all were with a brother. <laughs> and so I obeyed. But one time, I, I, I messed up. I took a turn, and I looked, and my wife elbowed me, and I quickly announced, that woman looks like my cousin. <laughs> she said, she's white. <laughs> I don't know what's in the woodpile, but I don't think that's your cousin. What God says is, guard your eyes and don't look in lust. Not only will you obey the Father, but if you're married, you'll live long on the earth. (laughs) Oh, ladies, you giggle. How many know some folk that gossip? Not you, but other women. I've heard of prayer circles where people gather and they get in that Sunday school realm, if y'all do Sunday school, or it's a facilitation group. I don't know what you call it, small group. And then they do prayer requests. Let's go around the circle. Let's pray, ladies. Hercules, Hercules. And they start to pray. And one will bow and say, Father, please bless Sister Sarah. She's a hoochie mom. Now, you left prayer and went straight to gossip. And Sister Sarah's in the same circle with one eye open telling you, meet me after class. I mean, it's that struggle where God says you must do things decent and in order because I'm not the God of confusion, fear. 
I want you to have self-control. Then when you're guarding your eyes and your mouth gate, you need to guard your mind and your ear gate. Don't let anything enter in that's not becoming of one who sold out to the king eternal. When you guard your mind, you bring every thought, I said every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. So if you're going through and there is struggle in your life, bring it captive. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Cast your cares upon him simply because God cares about you. You don't have to fear when the Lord is on your side because greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. I don't fear. I got him. And in him I live, move, and have my being. What about the heart? Guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. So let me just say to the ladies, I know what you want. Singles. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. You want a man who's six feet tall. Six pack. And six figures. Don't shout me down. I brought my own amen. Some of y'all singing, hey. (laughs) Help today, Lord. I don't want you to struggle. I'm just telling you what many of you desire. Six feet, six pack, six figures. Some of the fellas used to have that, but now you got Dunlap. Your belly Dunlap over your belt. I know you're in the room. But ladies, when you find him, you're on the phone. Girl, I found my man. He's six feet, six pack, six figures. Can I tell you what you found? Six, six, six. The mark of the beast. Throw that rascal back into the water. And get back to Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides you a man you got to send to the hair club and dental world. But he will love you like nobody's business. Fear. I got to hustle because what Timothy teaches us with Paul being his instructor and discipler is that God doesn't want you shy or timid with your gifting. He wants you to be bold. He wants you to be loving. He wants you to be sensible. He wants you to have the kind of control that is you laying your whole weight in the arms of the one who controls the universe. And when you look down, those are his footprints carrying you from glory to glory to glory. He mounts you up on wings of an eagle. You're able to run this Sunday and not be weary. You're able to walk if you're not fearing and not faint. That God is present. His name, Emmanuel. He's God with us. Beside him, there's no other. He's a bridge over troubled waters. He's the first, the last, the alpha, the omega. He's my beginning and my end. He's a way maker, a mind regulator. He's the prince of peace, everlasting father. He is shepherd of all I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside the still waters. Restores my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I go through a fear place, the valley of the shadow of evil and death. I don't have to fear because he's with me. His rod, his staff comforts me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What's goodness and mercy? Two watchdogs of heaven. Goodness. Mercy. They follow me. I don't have to fear. They follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Fear. Why are you so loud? Preach. I'm passionate. And so are you about trivial things that you get loud concerning. It's a good day for us to not be fretful. And I just got to bring this train into the train station and land the plane into that 
runway. And here's what I need you to hear. The world says, be very afraid. But God says, in this world, though you have trouble, take heart. I've already overcome the world. And beside me, there's no other. Fear. I love that because I get to trust in him with all that I have, my mind, body, and soul. And Paul taught Timothy fearlessness. In 2 Timothy 1.12, he declared, I know in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I'm committing to him against the day of judgment. I don't have to fear. I'm on the Lord's side, and I'm wrapped up and tangled up in his passionate embrace. And no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. Well, listen, the scripture is clear, so I need you to repeat after me. Say, look at me. Look at me me now. Because this is the last time you will see me fretful. Did you hear that? Did you believe that? Because the day is the first day of the rest of your life to look up and live. And when you fear not, you accompany God from the Old to the New Testament. Listen to it in Isaiah, since you don't like the grace-giving message in the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. And if that were not enough, tiptoe to Isaiah 43, verse 1. It says, now this is what Mike Satterfield says? No. What the leadership of Friendswood Community Church says? No. This is what thus saith the Lord, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name, your mind. I will be with you when you pass through the waters. I'll be with you when you go through the rivers. All your issues will be dealt with by my presence in the midst of your pain. Even when you're tried by the fire, I will go in and blow holy air conditioning and not one hair will be singed upon your body. I will do what is right and pleasing in my sight on your behalf and out of the flames you'll come forth as pure gold. So what does this mean? I got to close, but here it is. The Rolls-Royce Company helps me with this last point. They built a car, and it says, the car that never breaks down was the slogan, until one man with bling, bling, ka-ching, ka-ching bought one, and it broke down in Paris, France. He called the company, Rolls-Royce, uh, yes, false advertisement. Excuse me, sir, my car, Rolls-Royce, broke down. What are you going to do about it? They said, we'll send a team. Sent a team to his rescue. They went around the car like NASCAR. Fixed the vehicle. Left the scene and didn't leave a bill. The man was beside himself. and He said, they fixed it. It's running but you didn't bill me. He called the company back. He said, Rolls Royce, yes, you came and fixed my car. It is running now but there is no bill. They said, excuse me, sir, you fixed my Rolls Royce but you didn't leave me a bill to pay. And these folks said to the man, sir, we have no record that any of our cars has ever broken down. (laughs) Hallelujah. Here's the application. I got to go. Jesus went to an old rugged cross and at the cross nailed all your issues, insecurities, drama, plagues, depression, 
migraines, ulcers, canker sores, struggles. And he said, it is finished. Fear, I have provided your every need according to my riches. And your debt is paid in full. The only thing you owe is to love him and to walk in power and to have self-control. Friends, would fear every head bowed. Master, in the name of Jesus, I come to you and I beg you, remove the trepidation. Remove the anxiety. Remove the plague of deception and replace it with power, love, and a sound mind. May your scripture be so deep in the lives of these who are present that if they be cut when they leave this fellowship, they bleed 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. In Jesus' name, we love you for paying that debt for us in full. And the church said. Thanks, Mike.